and welcome to the CND podcast. I'm CND's editor Beth Kennedy, and you're listening to A Coffee With, a podcast series where I sit down with some of pharmacy's most inspirational women to chat about their career highs and lows, their aspirations and fears, and everything in between. Every episode, I'll be talking to a different woman in pharmacy to find out what makes them tick, some words of wisdom, and the piece of advice they wish they'd been given at the start of their career. So, Pour yourself a cuppa and get ready to join me for the latest instalment of A Coffee With. My guest today is Naima Kalajand, who I have the very great pleasure of working with in her role as CND's Clinical and Custom Content Editor. Naima completed her MPharm degree at Queen's University Belfast and spent her pre-registration year at an independent community pharmacy in the city. After becoming a registered pharmacist, Naima looked into various pharmacies in Belfast before moving to London in 2015 to pursue a new career avenue in communications. After time spent as a medical writer for a medical communications company, Naima became a clinical writer for the British National Formulary. Since 2019, she has been CND's clinical and custom content editor. In this role, she is responsible for CND's continuing professional development learning content and also working with external stakeholders on bespoke content. Her hard work is recognised at the International Business to Business Journalism Competition, the Tabby Awards 2020, where she received two special mentions. Welcome, Naima. Hi, Beth. Thanks for having me. It's very strange to be on this side of the podcast. Yeah, I can imagine you're our resident podcast queen. (laughs) Nice to chat to you instead for a change. Yeah, exactly. How do you feel having the tide turn on you? It's me asking the questions instead of you. I mean, it's definitely strange. Usually um, it was different prepping for the questions this time. So yeah, it was nice. (laughs) Okay, well, I know you have looked over them, so I'm not completely taking you aback here. But let's go right back to the start of, well, before the start of your career, really. Why did you decide to go into pharmacy in the first place? Well, growing up, I had actually always wanted to be a vet. That was something that was always very prominent for me. But actually, my whole family is very medically orientated. So my mum and dad are both nurses. My sister is a pharmacist as well, and my brother's a doctor. So there was always kind of medical speak in my house and it was very, we were all very familiar with going to the hospital with mum and dad whenever they were working and stuff. So it it kind of seemed like a natural career progression for me. And my sister had a very positive influence on me. She enjoyed the degree and it seemed like it would be something I would enjoy as well. So that was, that was kind of how I got into it really. Okay. And your siblings are both quite than you, aren't they? Older, yeah. So my sister is eight years older than me and my brother's 10 years older. So I've kind of had them to guide and console me through my pharmacy career as well. Okay. And and how did you actually find it once you got there? Because obviously you've grown up in this medical house and your sister had had such a brilliant experience being a pharmacist. I think she still is one, isn't she? Yeah, she is. And then to go and start studying it, how did you find actually doing it yourself? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I'm not going to lie, the degree was tough and it took a lot of work, but it was nice to be able to come home and actually join in the discussions that everybody was was talking about. And I was able to come back and bounce ideas off my brother and sister. And, you know, my sister gave me a hand with some of my work. And yeah, so yeah, I found it really, really good. It was really interesting. And once I kind of started a degree, I knew it was the kind of path that I wanted to continue down. Yeah, definitely. So briefly talk us through your career today, because you've chopped and changed a little bit. Yeah, I have. So As you mentioned, when I first qualified, I worked as a locum pharmacist for some independent pharmacies and multiple pharmacies in Belfast. This was really good, got lots of experience, but I'd been in Belfast my whole life, university, and I was ready to kind of leave. So I looked up some opportunities in London and what came up was medical writing. And I know I always enjoyed research and writing and that kind of side of communication. So I thought, well, this could be something I could try. 
I initially worked for a medical communications company based in central London and we were creating educational content for monoclonal antibodies for use in severe asthma. So that was really interesting and a really good fit in the door to like publications and a different side to medicine that I'm used to. After about a year there, a role came up at the BNF and I moved over there and worked for two and a half years as a clinical writer. So this got me really great experience. I worked with a team of pharmacists as well. And basically I worked on the drug monograph section of the BNF. So I hadn't really considered before working there that people actually had to write the content for the BNF. I didn't even, hadn't even occurred to me when you get daily as a pharmacist. Magically comes to you. Yeah. And obviously it's content that gets updated regularly and there's new drugs all the time. And not one point did I think, oh, somebody must actually be writing this content. So it was actually really interesting to be part of that process. And I really enjoyed my time there. I did a bit of work on the BNF app while I was there and started getting a bit more interested in health technology. So a role came up in a health technology company, which was a GP on demand app, a startup company in London. So I thought I'm in London, I might as well try something a bit different, try something exciting. So I worked as a communications director there for nearly a year as well after my time at the BNF. And yeah, that was brilliant too. Really good experience. Really interesting to see how a startup worked and yeah, completely different side to my career. Then the role came up at C&D and it just felt like it was nice to step back a bit more towards the pharmacy sector again. And yeah, that's my kind of career in a bit of a nutshell. What I find really interesting about that is that you all at the same time, and when you were really quite young, in sort of your early to mid twenties, not only changing career paths fairly drastically, I know it was still in the wheelhouse of pharmacy, but it, you know, it was writing, whereas beforehand you'd been locuming and working in community pharmacies. And then you were also moving, not just to a different city, but to a different country. How was that experience for you? It was really exciting. You know, like I said, I've always lived in Belfast and you know, I was kind of jealous of my friends that I went away to university as much as I loved my time at Queen's. It, w- it was fantastic, but I was really ready just for new challenges. And, you know, I like traveling and things. So it just felt like a, you know, a good move. I have a lot of good friends here too. So that, that really helped me get settled in as well. And yeah, it was, it was a bit of a jump then changing countries and also changing job roles. But I thought if I'm going to do one thing, I might as well just do it all at once. So yeah, it was really challenging, but I really enjoyed it. I don't regret it at all. Like definitely the best decision I've made. And six years later, I'm still in London. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Do you ever miss it though? Do you ever miss Northern Ireland and Belfast? Yeah, of course. I do go home quite regularly to see my family and friends. Got lots of nieces and nephews, so I definitely miss that side of it. But it is lovely to go home for the weekend. But I must say, every time I go home, it is really nice then to get back to London again. I just, I kind of, my life is based here now and got lots of friends and obviously really enjoy my job. So yeah, I do miss it, but it's nice being in London as well. Thank you for that nice little, I really enjoy my job. Just uh, coming out there, <laughs> C&D is a great place. <laughs> it does help. It does help knowing that I've got my job to come back to. <laughs> so what challenges did you come across when making that career move? So as I said, I, I did step quite far away from pharmacy initially. And one of the main challenges I found, I was just really worried about forgetting all my clinical knowledge that I just spent the last, you know, six years kind of building up, you know, from studying my pre-reg and then my year of locuming I I did feel a bit apprehensive about that so I was trying to keep my knowledge up to date while I was working so I I, I was freelance writing for the C&D in my you know kind of in my spare time as well to kind of keep my technical knowledge up to date there obviously was a lot more skills I had to pick up that I'd never done before so I went on loads of writing courses I've done things that I would never expected to do like pitch slide decks in front of clients and things that was a real challenge from working in a pharmacy to then being in front of 
drug companies and talking to them about their products and you know helping them get to launch from clinical trials so you know working as a medical writer was a really big step and it, it was challenging but you know every role I've taken on has been somewhat similar but there's been new kind of areas I've been able to expand my skills in, and it's been really interesting like when I worked for the GP on demand app I got some experience in marketing as well and also in app user journey development and like that was really interesting and it's something that I had never anticipated that I would get experience in so yeah it's, it's been really interesting as well as challenging. But you've not only changed into a writing career but you've done some journalism sort of old-fashioned hack journalism you, you did this brilliant piece it's a couple of years before I joined when you were interviewing pharmacists on either side of the border between the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland, just to see how Brexit, how they anticipated Brexit could affect that. And and that was one of the pieces that you were recognised for at the Tabbies, I think, wasn't it? And just for me, I remember reading at the time, just thinking, you know, this is someone with no formal training whatsoever. You know, your background is completely scientific. So it's not as though you were writing all the time at university, for example. And clinical writing is quite different to journalistic writing. Is that something that came fairly naturally or did you have to push yourself to do that I must say I jumped at the challenge whenever um the previous editor James suggested it to me like I'm quite a chatty and extrovert person so you know to me going around all the different pharmacies and and chatting to people face to face didn't really seem that daunting and obviously I was used to being a locum as well which is you know you just have to go somewhere in the middle of nowhere where you've never been before and just kind of get stuck in so I didn't feel daunted by it but it was definitely something I've never done before but I really enjoyed it It was really interesting to kind of see how you know how you guys work as a team and for me to be able to go out and do that and obviously the team gave me lots of tips before I went and advice and I think I had both Grace and Tom members of the editorial team just on you know on speed dial in case I needed any help with my recordings but yeah like that was really interesting and it was you know it was good for me to get a trip home and to do something a bit different and then also to be able to report back on something you know fairly important at the time and the more people I spoke to you know they they had a lot to say and it was I was really glad I was able to kind of share that message on C&D. Yeah yeah and it was such an interesting piece and I, I yeah I just remember being really really impressed when I read it so I wondered what that process was like for you. So you have done lots of different things within the wheelhouse of pharmacy and pharmacy writing. It's almost a portfolio career is this is that something that you'd recommend to other pharmacists? During my degree it wasn't really made clear to us that you know other than community hospital pharmacy or working in industry they were really the only avenues that were ever really presented to us but I think it's actually taken me to move to London to realize you know you could do anything with a pharmacy degree actually you know and there's there's so many opportunities and like I said before I I really enjoy the research side of pharmacy and I like I, I enjoy reading papers and like finding out some new information and new drug developments But for me, doing a PhD didn't really seem like something I wanted to do because I didn't necessarily want to be based in a lab. So the communications type role kind of fit what I was looking for. So, you know, I definitely would say if anybody was interested in in more writing kind of roles, like there's loads of opportunities and, you know, there's lots of new companies popping up here, there and everywhere. And I think it's, it's definitely a really interesting field to get into. And now that I'm in it, there's loads of pharmacists that are involved in writing. And, you know, it's just something that I wasn't aware of before. Actually, shout out to any pharmacist listening to this who would like some freelance work. We're always on the lookout for <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes, definitely. Always keen for more clinical writers. <laughs> <laughs> and all this it sort of sounds fairly positive. Um, I'm sure that there have been stumbling blocks along the way. Do you think that you've ever come up against certain challenges in your career because you're a woman? I did have a good thing about this question. And I don't think I, I have I've had a lot apart from potentially when I was working for the startup I I spoke about 
that is a very male heavy industry. Um, so I'm used to obviously co- coming from lots of pharmacy backgrounds where it is quite a female heavy profession. Um, yeah. But actually, when I moved into that side, you know, there was a lot of sales guys, there was a lot of male egos and things. And I, I find that actually quite challenging. And it almost felt like sometimes I got brought along to meetings as like a little, like a token, <laughs> like, oh, we're going to bring a girl along to the, you know, this young woman along and maybe she can speak and it'll look good that we've got someone. So that I found a bit, a bit strange, just as something I definitely wasn't used to. And I almost felt a bit shy speaking up in meetings and, 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 and giving my opinion because I kind of thought they might be like well she doesn't know what she's talking about which I hadn't had before previous yeah. to that but no other than that I actually I think my experience has been quite positive I, I know like when you spoke to to Deborah Evans last week she's she'd had a lot of things that I almost even wasn't surprised to hear that it, that had happened you know I just expect that would have happened to a lot of people but you no know, with me I've, I've actually had a good experience and you know I've always worked in environments where the men have tried to push women up you know to higher positions and encourage them to progress in their career so I've been quite lucky. Just listening to you answer that question and, and a common theme that's come up, even when we've been talking about you being on our CND Women in Pharmacy board, is one of the first questions is, why me? Am I right for this? Are you sure you want me to, to be on this? And I think like a lot of women, you obviously do suffer from imposter syndrome. And that's definitely something I can relate to. I'm sure a lot of the people listening to this podcast can relate to that as well. How much of a factor has that been throughout your career and how have you overcome that? That's definitely true. I think when you first asked me to be on the panel, I thought, oh God, nobody's going to want to listen to listen to me talk. But actually, the more I think about it, you know, I I feel like my career has really expanded. And I, you know, I think I do have things I can share with people. So, you know, I can understand why most women have imposter syndrome. How do you overcome that? I think I've just tried to be more confident in myself and my decisions and just putting myself forward for things like this and for speaking at events you know that I think that's really helped me overcome some of that imposter syndrome because previously I I think I I just thought oh god no one's going to want to listen to me or why would I stand up and talk at the front of this event where actually now I realize people do want to listen and it's not just necessarily me but it's it's C&D that I'm representing as well so I think that really helps. Yeah but people do ask you because they think you're great and we, we asked you to be on the board because we think you're great and Deborah Evans you, you mentioned her a little bit earlier something that she said that really resonated with me is look at the facts so it, it's trying to quash that little voice in the back of your head that's telling you that you're not good enough and actually looking at the facts and god I know from experience that it's really hard and sometimes the little voice shouts louder but yeah great to hear that you've, you've got some coping strategies in there I know it's not easy yeah, you know, it's definitely something that I have to just try and put to the back of my head whenever I'm doing these things. But yeah, I think it, it is just like Deborah said, look at the facts. And I have to think, well, I've come a long way and I have worked hard to get here. So, I, you know, I've earned my earned my place, <laughs> earned my place. Yeah. So I shouldn't, shouldn't have imposter syndrome. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a very human emotion. And, and hey, maybe a lot of the men who are listening to this get the same way. But certainly I can't think of many women that I know that I've spoken to about work who haven't had some form of it. Um, and it's tough. It's really tough. So how's the pandemic been for you? What specific challenges have you come up against and how did you overcome these? I'm sure much like everyone else has been challenging. I've really struggled with the working from home, to be honest. Like I said, I'm quite an extrovert person. I get a lot of my energy from other people. So I have found that aspect of it quite difficult. And, you know, you'll know from our, our daily chats, I really look forward to chatting to everybody uh, on a call every day. But it was also a really big year for clinical information as well. So I really, it was a lot of pressure to get a lot of, well, I felt personally a lot of pressure to really get a lot of information out to our readers and just to make sure that I felt overwhelmed by the amount of information on COVID that was available. So I thought, well, how are these pharmacists who are still having to go into work every day 
coming home and then having to sift through all this information to try and find something so you know I found that a bit overwhelming but it was good for me to to kind of turn through all the information and produce some really good articles which you know we also made free access and we got a really good engagement with them so that to me that that was showing me that actually the work was paying off and actually it was really helpful so even though it was challenging there was you know there was a positive outcome in the end I did feel a bit of COVID fatigue which I'm sure everyone felt as well but you know every day looking at all the clinical information then I was checking the the gov statistics every day then I was reading the news then I was listening to the Guardian podcast in the morning you know it was just it was just so much so I, I kind of found taking a bit of a step back from the news really helped because then I was you know I was kind of coming into work and thinking I don't want to read anything else about COVID anymore but yeah that's kind of probably how I um how I coped and obviously I'm sure much like everybody else I just missed my family and and, and being able to see friends so just lots of lots of calls and, and chatting to people to to keep spirits up and yeah it was just there was a real sense of everybody rallying around to keep everybody motivated and upbeat last year, especially within the C&D team. So that, that definitely helped. I think you're so right about that feeling of it being totally overwhelming because when you are, and I can only imagine it, how it could it must have been for pharmacists working in pharmacies on the front line, being around COVID all the time. I mean, it, for us, it was just reading about it all the time, but still that feeling of inescape from it really do applaud everyone who has worked day in, day out through this entire pandemic, it's a huge achievement. I was in awe of some of the, the pharmacists that were working and, you know, I felt a huge sense of guilt sitting at my desk every day writing about COVID. I felt I even put myself under so much pressure to try and put as much information out as possible because I thought, well, if I can't work in the pharmacy on the front line, I'm going to do something to try and help. So yeah, it was definitely what the pharmacist did last year was just incredible. Yeah, it really was. But now you, you put yourself forward, you're a vaccinator, a COVID vaccinator. So you're doing your bit. Yeah, it's, it's something very exciting that's just happened in the last week. I've started in Angel. The, in Angel Islington, the Business Design Centre has opened as a kind of mass COVID vaccination hub. So I previously volunteered to work at the start of the pandemic, but they didn't need everybody, the return to work people. So I have started last week and it, it was it was brilliant. It, it's just so nice to be part of it and to feel like I'm helping out. And, you know, I got a real sense of job satisfaction from it. It was a lovely chatting to people and speaking to patients and everyone was just so happy to <laughs> yeah. be receiving the vaccine so that was really a really nice positive environment to be around and just even leaving the house for the day to go and do something felt like felt like a new person it was really it was really good and yeah I'm just really happy that I, I can be involved in it and that's something you know I wouldn't potentially have been able to do if I wasn't being a pharmacist so because I'm helping with the clinical assessment of patients as they as they come in to get their vaccination so yeah it's really really good yeah really positive to hear it's it's been such an overwhelming all-encompassing experience this year I think everyone's still reading from it what's a career highlight it took me a while to kind of come up with a main one but actually when I thought about it it was something that stuck out in my mind so last year you know we were very aware of all the inequalities with the black and Asian ethnic minority communities that have really been brought to the forefront during the pandemic so we we made the decision to hold a webinar to really tackle some of these issues in pharmacy and just kind of open the conversation about it and just make a start. You know, I'm, I'm aware that the issues go really deep and, you know, we've got a lot to cover, but, you know, even just starting that conversation was really good. So with the help of the C&D team, I acquired a panel for the for the webinar and hosted the webinar myself. And that was a, that was a first for me. You know, I'd never done anything like that before. Obviously, was very nervous, but, you know, it went really well and we got really good response from it and then we were able to interview our panelists afterwards and you know since then I've noticed a lot more things that have started off the back of it like for example in two weeks time I'm going to be speaking at the Northern Ireland Ethnicity and Diversity Forum that's something that they said that they kind of got off the back of our our webinar which is which is really good to show that we kind of 
started that process for a lot of other areas in pharmacy and I think for me that was a really like it was a really big career highlight and it was just you know it was something that you know I felt like I led on and um, got a good result at the end. Yeah you did such a good job on that and I remember how nervous you were before that and you went in and you just completely switched it on and smashed it. Yeah it was really good. It was great. You remember you writing a um, a little blog piece beforehand and I think it kind of maybe shed some light on why this was such an important issue to you personally because you have experienced discrimination in the workplace. I always feel like my experiences are very minor compared to what some of the things that we'd heard from our own racism survey which were just awful to read it was really upsetting and you know things we discussed in the panel but you know I grew up in Belfast but I'm half Irish half Mauritian so I'm from being background at home I am of darker skin compared to most people so you know people look at me and think I look a bit different you know they have issues with my name they would maybe question my judgment and if I'm qualified to be a pharmacist and and things like that and yeah I did experience some things growing up and you know there there is always comments that were made whenever I was younger and things so yeah I think to me it did feel like it was something that I you know I've experienced so I should definitely be trying to do something about it to get the message out there that you know this kind of attitude in pharmacy isn't isn't acceptable. One thing I always like to ask in this podcast who is one or maybe there are a few different women in pharmacy that you really admire and why? This is a difficult question and I think it is for me it is hard to narrow it down obviously I've got a lot of pharmacy peers who I really admire and who just you know have worked valiantly through the last year who you know I really respect and think are brilliant members of the of the of the women in pharmacy board that I speak to on a regular occasion Oksana and Harpreet I think are both fantastic and they're always you know at the forefront and I don't know how both of them have time to have a personal life because every time I, I go on the social media they've <laughs> or you know they've been on another interview or they've done another podcast or a webinar and, I, and I'm so impressed that you know they're able to to have such momentum all the time Another person who, something that she'd said stuck with me a lot, Leila Hambach, the chief executive of the Association of Independent Multiple Pharmacies. I think she's just inspirational. You know, she's always available to talk and just really lovely and really inspirational to see the kind of work she does in pharmacy. And I'd spoken to her one time and, and I think she was she was just literally just about to have a baby. I think she was only a, a week away from, from being due. And she said, oh, OK, just get back to me in a couple of weeks and I'll be able to answer your query. And I was thinking, you know, she's, that's not very much maternity leave. She's like, oh, let me take a couple of weeks. I did that for my last two children as well. And I just was so impressed that she just, you know, able to keep working no matter what the circumstances. And yeah, I think for me, she's really inspirational. Yeah, definitely. One question that gets raised a lot when women have certain spaces that are set up specifically for women. So our women in pharmacy space in the community, for example, is why it's important to have these spaces why do you think it is important that female pharmacists have these dedicated spaces for them? Although I think there is quite a lot, like there is quite a women dominated sector, but we've seen loads of statistics that actually women are not in those higher positions of, of seniority. So I think then women are less likely to speak out and give their opinion if they feel like they can't or they haven't got a safe place to do that. So I think actually having a, a women kind of only platform is is, is really important and, and just somewhere where women might feel more comfortable and giving their opinion and you know encouraging each other to even apply for these kind of more higher positions and supporting each other. One thing that I've heard a lot especially from younger female pharmacists is there is a total lack of mentorship and there's a real issue of it's difficult to be what you can't see and you're right it is a really female dominated profession I think it's about 60% female but 
if we look at those leadership positions in pharmacy, that is not reflected particularly. What one piece of advice do you wish that you'd been given at the beginning of your career? I wish someone had told me to be more confident when applying for job roles or pushing myself further in different roles. I think a lot of the time I think, oh, I'm not going to apply for that next role because I think actually I'm not qualified enough or maybe I wouldn't be good. I think just someone to kind of just instill that confidence to know that, you know, I've obviously got to this position because I'm I'm good at what I do and I have the right knowledge to get there. So I think just, you know, like you said, mentorship, that would like, I would have really appreciated a mentor. And even now, you know, having a completely different degree, you know, I'd love to have a mentor because I don't really know sometimes where my career path is going. So, you know, just having someone to chat those ideas through with would be really helpful. So I definitely think that's a really good point you made. You're quite sort of known as a speaker, I feel like, in the in the pharmacy circuit now, which is so impressive, I think, without any training there whatsoever. Do you ever get people coming up to you afterwards and asking for advice? Yeah, being a speaker in the pharmacy world was something I never had anticipated being, but I'm I'm glad that that's kind of happened. But yeah, actually, and the people who speak to me the most actually would be students. And I, I've spoken at a few student events as well. And I think they are just genuinely interested that I've I've done something completely different with my career than just, you know, going down the usual route. Yeah, I feel like a lot of students come to me and ask for advice on, on ways to get into different sides of pharmacy. And, I, you know, it's really it's really nice being able to share that with them. Yeah, how does that make you feel? Is there a sense of achievement in being the one that people go to for advice? Yeah, definitely. I think it is quite a niche area, you know, working in this sector of pharmacy. And yeah, it does. It is a sense of achievement. And, you know, I'm always really happy to chat to people and always delighted to be asked to speak on things. And again, like that kind of sense of imposter syndrome. I'm like, oh, why does why do they want me on the panel? But, you know, it's, it's really lovely to be asked and I'm always very flattered. Yeah, definitely. And then finally, what do you think needs to happen to make pharmacy a more equal profession for women? You know, I think there aren't women in these kind of higher positions. So I think creating more opportunities for women to move into these positions is definitely something that needs to change. And even just having a few of those positions will encourage more women to kind of to go in their footsteps as well. And you know, having women representing on panels and discussions and webinars, you know, having women at the forefront of these discussions is definitely something that needs to change. And, you know, what we've discussed before, I think there needs to be more focus on the, the BAME communities as well within pharmacy, because obviously we've seen that the inequalities are, are, are so high, especially within pharmacy. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, it's very interesting to look at pharmacy as a profession, which is really diverse. And, you know, there's absolutely no shade on people who are in pharmacy leadership it doesn't mean they don't deserve to be there but there obviously there is a disconnect about the people on the ground and the people higher up and there shouldn't be so as part of international women's day this year the theme is choose to challenge what are you choosing to challenge this year and why so this year i think we should choose to challenge celebrating the success of women so so really if, if women have achieved something really great we should be shouting about it and I think that's something we don't do enough of so that's what I would like to challenge this year. That was Naima Kalachand, CND's Clinical and Custom Content Editor. Today we talked about how Naima made the jump from pharmacy to journalism, some women in pharmacy she looks up to and how she copes with imposter syndrome. For more news and updates on CND's Women in Pharmacy group, please check out the CND community and chemistsanddruggist.co.uk for regular updates. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.